What's up, guys? Welcome to Meathead Hippie Podcast. I'm Emily Schaum, your host, just bringing all the goodness to you one episode at a time because these guests are on fire so far in 2018. Already listened, uh, you might have already listened, Diane Sanfilippo. We had Anthony Gustin, really big, prominent figures, especially in the paleo community. But now I'm really excited to interview someone completely different, Dr. Stephen Lin, who has been on some TED Talks. He's been on, um, actually, he just released his book. So as you're listening to this, the book is released and I'll link it in. He's been just so many places because what he has to say about teeth is not being talked about. And I struggle so much with my teeth and my mouth. And I had this horrible story, which I'll talk about in the podcast about getting my wisdom teeth out and then them dry socketing in the middle of the CrossFit games open and how horrible it was. (laughs) Like I've had some traumatic teeth events. And if you have had your teeth hurt or have had anything in your mouth hurt, you understand my pain. And this is what is so cool is that we got connected because someone said, I think you would love to interview him. And as I'm interviewing him, just seeing like talking about Dr. Weston A. Price and just research that's happened forever ago, but no one's talking about was just so much fun. So I can't wait to share this, share it with your dentist, share it with anybody in your family that has teeth issues. Um, if you have teeth issues, I feel your pain, but I promise this stuff works. These supplements are ones that I love and I take, try to get it with food and supplement accordingly. And that's why it's so important with vegans and vegetarians to really, really look at the nutrient density in your food and supplement accordingly for the things that you're missing. If you refuse to eat egg yolks, you got to make up for it somehow. And I just hope that this really hits home for some people. I loved it. It was a great talk. Some of the things I'm obsessed with right now, well, I'm just like in total work mode because the Body Awareness Project is almost about to launch. And so I think I could tell you a little bit more info about it. Um, You know, it's one of those things, right? You're creating product and you're like, how much do you say and when do you market and how do you promote? If you think I haven't figured it out, trust me, I don't. I'm making this shit up. I just love doing it and I can't wait. I have always had acne. I've always had skin issues to really build a program based on the beliefs of healing yourself from the inside out and not just my own expert, you know, the things I've learned over the years and being an NTP, not just my own expertise, but bringing people that really, really know what they're talking about to fill in the holes that I can't. And, um, we're talking about nutritional deficiencies. We're talking about, you know, genetics. We're talking about herbal skincare. We're over 30 hours of content with these guests like Diane Sanfilippo and Liz Wolf and Rachel Pontillo and Sarah Morgan and Lauren Gearston. So many people are included in this because it needs to exist, a program for acne and for skincare. And so it's going to launch soon. It's not just the educational piece, but it's also a box that I've curated with these guests with everything that I love to help heal your skin and not just cosmetic products and not just healthy skin products to put on your face. It's actually going to include some supplements that are must-haves for clear skin as well. So, so excited because hopefully by next podcast, I'll be able to say where to go, but not quite yet. But that's what I'm really obsessed with. I'm obsessed with skincare. I'm obsessed that you can heal your body from the inside out. I sound like a complete nerd, but it's just so cool. And I hope you guys are all on board with being your own experiment and guinea pig and figuring out what works for you because there is no one way. But what I can say is that with skincare, there's a lot of people pushing that there is one way and it's just not the case. So Okay, that's it. Four minute intro. I'm out. Enjoy Dr. Stephen Lynn. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. such a pleasure to have you on. You are my second TED talker that I've ever had on. And I always feel so honored to talk to people that have been on the TED stage because I just admire anybody that gets up there and talks. And that means that you guys, that you basically have so much to say and the work that you're doing, the book that you are about to launch, there's just great stuff. And it's something that people don't really talk about and it's our teeth. And I I really can't wait to dig in. So thank you for being on Meathead Hippie with me. Hey, it's such a pleasure, such a pleasure to meet you, and thank you very much for having me. I can't wait to dive into, uh, yeah, some 
food and health and other 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 topics with you. Yeah, and I love your background. I, I wish my listeners could see this. You look like you're in like a, you know, one of those chambers, the uh, the float tanks. Oh, uh, the float tanks. Yeah, <laughs> Does too, you know what? This room has like a blue tinge on on the. Yeah. Room. It looks like I'm kind of floating around in an aquarium. You, right? yeah. you look very majestic right now. Like, <laughs> you're, very, you're very zen. <laughs> it's morning um, here in Sydney, so yeah. So we're trying to set the mood for the day. It's you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's perfect. Well, I kind of this is. I just wanted to hit record because I was just basically being a patient and telling you my history. And the reason why I wanted to talk about teeth is I just have had this crazy story with my teeth, and I think it's something that if you have teeth issues or if you have dental problems, or I guess, I don't even know what the word would be, but it ruins your life. I mean, there's so many times it's like, you don't realize how important it is until there's something going wrong. It's just, so for me, what my kind of story where it started, it was, um, getting my wisdom tooth out, teeth out, all four of them. I was doing the CrossFit open and I ended up dry socketing all of them. And that just, obviously a lot of pain. And then I had this thing stuck in my tooth and I don't know, I couldn't, my dentist wouldn't believe me. And I was like, no, you seriously, you have to figure out what this is. There's something stuck in my tooth. And she finally dug almost to my bone. There was a piece of pulled pork. And it was like, this is like the start of all my teeth issues, I swear. So it was just so bizarre. I just, and that's when I, so for me, I'm really passionate about teeth because I know how miserable it was. I couldn't chew. I couldn't eat protein. I was living on protein shakes for a while. It was just awful. So I am really excited to talk to you about you. You basically, your work is getting to the root of all dental disease, correct? Yeah, that's right. And um, it's a really interesting story, actually, because wisdom teeth infections are one of kind of the big, uh, kind of big procedures that we get, you know, around the time that we, it's, we kind of think of it as the coming of age, you know, you get your wisdom teeth out, mm -hmm. um, you know, but it can happen right up through the mid to the twenties to early thirties, that people need their wisdom teeth out because of infections. Um, but the big thing, that I found uh, in dental practice, when, when I, I've taken lots of wisdom teeth out, but there was no uh, answer to why we were doing this. And so why are wisdom teeth uh, not fitting in, their, um, in, in our jaws anymore? And why yeah. do we have to take it out? So there's, there's no answer for, to that. And so that actually was one of the big questions that took me down this journey to kind of trying to find the answer of oral disease and why it, you know, it's such a problem today. Oh, that's interesting. And well, so for me, I went to a nutritional therapy association. A big piece of it is uh, Dr. Weston A. Price. So that was kind of some of the work. I mean, I, I kind of just want you to talk about why you think that is then. Because I, I literally would have no clue outside of, you know, the, his work was saying there's way less saturated fat, there's way less food products, and then more processed foods, more sugars. It, I mean, is it ultimately a diet thing? That's exactly what it is. And so uh, actually we'll circle back to your wisdom teeth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because like this kind of, because I like kind of the, the finding the root cause of things and then moving out to the problem is I think a good way to kind of uh, approach things. Um, but you're, you're exactly right. And it's so great to hear your story of finding Western Air Price and uh, NTA is such a great association. I think one of the, the best in terms of getting good nutritional information out there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I went through seven years of tertiary education. I was never told about Western A. Price. So I was looking at all these patients and kids that need braces and uh, people that have wisdom teeth impactions. And I was just told that, that they need there's certain types of malocclusions or crooked teeth or that there's certain types of wisdom teeth impactions and that you have to take them out and you have to straighten them. That's it. Mm. But Western A. Price. So I actually discovered his work when I was backpacking through Europe. Um, <laughs> I, it was an accident. Yeah, accidental discovery on Traveler's bookshelf. Um, it was sitting there in Istanbul. No way. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. And I, I picked it up. What's, and I was actually taking some time away from dentistry because I didn't know if I could do it all my life because I was, you know, you taking wisdom teeth out and root canals and, um, you know, sending kids off for braces and fillings and crowns. You know, that stuff is all great and it's really empowering to pick someone's smile. But the, you know, the, when there's so many people coming to your surgery with, with problems that you can't answer as to why you get them, things were ticking over in my head. Mm -hmm. So I picked up this book and I was like, wow, uh, you know, what's this? I, and it's this kind of really old, for anyone that's listening, um, 
who's heard of it, but if you haven't, you can find no, it. Yes. Yeah. Tell all of it. I would love to hear your take on his whole story. Cause I know a lot of listeners don't know who he is or what he did. So I would love all of that. Yeah, exactly. So he was a dentist in the thirties who went around and his theory was that the modern dental disease he's practiced in Cleveland, Ohio, he founded the American Dental Association research arm. So he was a big uh, player in the dental industry back in the early 20th century. Um, but I picked up his book and I didn't know who he was, never heard of him in, in full um, uh, dental training and, and a degree before that. And so I was like, what is this? There's a lot of old photos. So he actually took 15,000 photos, amazing photographs of about 14 cultures around the world. So yeah. imagine this in the 30s going around, and this is between the two world wars, going around to all these different cultures and finding you know, these different uh, and looking at the where traditional societies had the modern diet infiltrating them. So finding people who have lived on the land and what they've subsided on for many, many years and then finding the people that have had, had the modern diet infiltrate. And he, he went to you know, the, the Swiss Lost and Shore Valley. He went to uh, Gaelic Scotland, through Africa, through Australia, the New Zealand, the Polynesian Islands, uh, Canadian Inuit, the whole spectrum. It's crazy. And, it's like in the 30s too. It's like, exactly. it's bizarre. Yeah. Exactly. And so I picked this thing up and I was like, you know, what is this? And, you know, like there's a lot of old photos. And, but the, the, the immediate reaction I had was that this doesn't fit to my dental training, so it must be wrong. Mm. And so I was like, you know, like, you know I, I, I put it down basically. And so put it in my bag and kept it there. But I went back to it years later because it, it kind of speaks to you in a very funny way, Price's work. Um, and for those that haven't read it, you know, you can jump online and see, you know, get a good, it's, a, it's quite a quick read as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit difficult because it's, um, yes, his writing's a bit outdated. But <laughs> it's, it's easy. He wrote it in a very digestible way. It's not a scientific text. It's, it's very written for, um, you know, anyone to pick up and read. And it's, it's, I think it's one of the most important human health uh, studies ever, ever performed you know it's and the problem was that I picked this up later and I opened it again and I, all these pictures of faces he saw and so his study was he would go to a place and he would take pictures of the of the people there he would look at their dental health he would check their cavities and their malocclusion or their crooked teeth and he would look at their diet but he would also measure their ancestral dental health as well so he would look through the skull records in each place that he, um, that he visited. And so this is the anthropological record. So he was putting this four piece and he was doing a lot of other sociology stuff. And but those were the four key parts of the, of the study. And I think this is why it's been so misunderstood is because we don't, we have, we don't understand it. We don't look in that broad spectrum with mm-hmm. scientific studies today. And so he it's actually, just teeth. yeah, yeah, it's just see any, any nutritional research is very kind of boiled down to one nutrient. He was talking about three nutrients. So he was measuring what was in the foods of the traditional societies and he was measuring what was at home in the kids and people who were very sick, he mm-hmm. saw. And he was finding that there were three factors, vitamin A, vitamin D, and activator X, that were actually... And what, what he would find is that in every place, there was nearly no tooth decay. There were no crooked teeth and no wisdom teeth infections, Emily. That's <laughs> and, crazy. And the, the fossil records shows the same thing. And this has been confirmed anthropologically since it, that, you know, dental disease, wisdom teeth infections, crooked teeth, all do not occur in, until the, you know, the last blink of the eye, which is when we head into to civilization. So the industrial revolution. And this is what he was talking about. He says, you know, as soon as we start eating sugar, flour, vegetable oils, all this stuff goes to rack and ruin. Mm-hmm. And, we, and he, he showed that, you know, his observations were inarguable. And we've since confirmed all that. So I began to look into archaeology, uh, you know, archaeological records, anthropology, like Robert Coricini's. They've mm. done hundreds of studies on this stuff. Okay. And I was also never taught this stuff. So that's what price. It was a worldwide study of human proportions that our mouths had gone to ruin. And the story is just unbelievable. I encourage anyone to um, kind of go and, and pick it up. But in my book, The Dental Diet, I kind of, tell that story and, and what we do is we're trying to plug in how how we how it fits today with all the science that we've since found out 
Mm, I love it. And one of the interesting things is like even the moss, like the, what's, what society that he, did he find? Cause he was ultimately trying to find out, is there any successful vegan or vegetarian population um, that have any sort of impact? Like how does their tea, was that what it was? Was he trying to connect that vegetarianism, if it can exist with also healthy dental structures? Uh, his main his main theory was that he was basically trying to find what foods um, you know uh, are related to in terms of dental disease. So he actually um, he didn't he 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 wrote very slightly on vegetarianism, but he he showed that his work was all about uh, how he was looking at what what they did. Mm-hmm. So he actually found that it was the animal products in each place that were treasured, and and it was it, it was something in those animal products and the fats and the whole um, but the whole nutrients that they provided and that they treasured mm-hmm. that really seemed to be crucial for dental growth. And that, that was his you know, vitamin A, vitamin D and this activated mystery factor X. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cover I would, because <laughs> yes. I would love to talk about it Cause it's really interesting for me. So kind of back to my story, I'm just going to tell you more about my dental health. So for me, I know that I, just based on my 23andMe report, I plugged it into Nutrition Genome. I need vitamin A. Like that's something I'm really depleted in. And naturally my epigenetics, it doesn't help. So one of the biggest things that I felt helped my inflammation, because I would just get this chronic flame. Like it felt like my jaw was on fire. The only thing that's helped was vitamin A, a liver supplement, um, vitamin K, and then uh the activator X, which I would love to talk about a little bit, um, or sorry, vitamin D and vitamin K. Can we talk mm. about vitamin K and its importance in dental health? Absolutely. And this is, this is the central, this is process central theorem. He's like, once every, in every place I've found that humans always eat foods 10 to 20 times, um, you know, at, more rich than what we find in, in traditional, in sorry, modern societies. So the foods we eat today, what he the food samples that he was measuring, he had a lab back in his, um, in back in Cleveland, Ohio, and he would measure the amounts of nutrients. So vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin uh, activated X. Sorry. Activated X, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> he published in 1938. Ten years later, he died. He never figured out what activated X was, mm. and that's what that was the mystery of vitamin K2. And so it turned out, it wasn't until 2007, and this is why Price's work was so confused. And I don't think, that, you know, because we didn't really understand the nutrients and what these fat-soluble vitamins do. So this is what exactly what you're talking about, is that you, you took AD and K2 and all of a sudden your, your jaws began to heal, right? Mm-hmm. And we now know that that's the case. And this is exactly what Price was talking about. It's the reason why kids don't, you know, their jaws don't grow enough to pit their teeth why, uh, you know, why tooth decay? Because we have an immune system inside the teeth. Because these three nutrients are crucial mm-hmm. for all of those factors. Um, and they do everything. Vitamin D, we know now, you know, the research is just so deep. You know, it goes right through your digestive system, metabolism, immune system, to the brain, mm-hmm. and right through to your genes. It's, you have receptors everywhere waiting for vitamin D. Nearly all of my patients are deficient in vitamin D because we don't, um, you know, if, Usually, if you live in a cold climate or you don't eat a diet rich in the stuff that Price was talking about, mm. you are deficient. What's so, the number, the blood number that you suggest for optimal health? Not just like the good range for vitamin D if you do get a blood test. What, what do you look for for yeah. you know, what you want people? What's your goal for your clients? Yeah, so generally I find people are different. And um, so it will depend on, and especially if you're deficient, it will take you a long time. But I generally aim for between 60, 60 to 80 nanograms uh, per milliliter because it's, it's, it's um, you know, that, and they'll often be told by the doctors, uh, you know, that they'll, they'll be much, much lower than that. And they'll say, you know, it's fine. It's not bad, yeah. Exactly. So 60 to 80, I find that's where, where you should be aiming. People are different, um, but, and, you know, certain um, doses will, you know, will take a certain amount of time to get them there. But I, I'd say if you're shooting for that range, it's so easy now. Get tested, you know, three times a year at a minimum, and mm-hmm. understand where your vitamin D levels are at. Because there's so many steps in the process that kind of uh, affect whether you know you're going to be converting that blood level. And even those blood levels, if if you find that your levels aren't coming up, check your parathyroid hormone because that can be a sign that your um that your body's uh not using 
uh, vitamin D the way, or, or it's a reason why your levels aren't, aren't going up. Oh, can you talk about that? I don't, I'm not familiar with that connection. I, was, I never have gotten into parathyroid with a client and I think that would be awesome or with a podcast guest because I know a, there's like so much information on thyroid. Specifically, what, why does parathyroid not convert D3? Oh, no, so if um, so, if your levels are low uh-huh. and all all your levels are high, so so the, the blood levels of of D three um, that you're measuring in those tests, so it doesn't exactly tell you um, everything about you know whether your how your body because it's such a, a complex cascade of of um, vitamin D from your skin and also your digestive system to that active form, and then how it's used, and so in your kidneys. Uh, and so parathyroid hormone sits on, on um, that axis that releases and controls calcium uh, release. So what, what vitamin D levels do is it actually interacts with that. And so if your D levels are high or, and you're not getting the, uh, it's usually low, but it can be high as well. Mm-hmm. And so if your D levels are low and, and you're taking vitamin D3 and they're not going up, it might be that your body's, how your body is using uh, the D3 and it's linked to parathyroid hormone. Because what, D3 does is it stops you from, you know, releasing uh, calcium from your bones and teeth, right? And that's what parathyroid, your body's releasing parathyroid hormone to, to kick that over. So it, it's a show of these two balances. Chris Masterjohn has a great blog on that. Okay, um, cool. He goes into great detail in terms of uh, you know, the links. Of but if your D levels, for instance, I have patients that don't, um, will we'll work with it. And it's a full dietary program. This is what we go through in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're taking D supplements and your levels aren't going up, check your parathyroid levels because that can be, you might find the reason and there's, you can go further down the, um, the, the rabbit hole. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the rabbit hole of it. And I just, I love it. I love just tangent. I love how much our body needs vitamin D, D3, because it just is a testament to that we're supposed to be outside and we're supposed to be in the sun. And even those many places don't ever, you know, the timing of it and the area you're in, you won't ever get adequate amounts. I just think it's so cool that our bodies still are intuitively meant to be outside. That's completely, and you know, this is, you know, I, we barely talked about vitamin D in dental school. And so when I jumped into this stuff, this was really kind of where I started to see the prices work had scientific validation because he was talking about vitamin D. He said people ate lots of vitamin D. That's as simple as, you know, he, he put it. Um, and, but we have not really kind of acknowledged until very recently how mm-hmm. crucial vitamin D is. And so and it, it does exist in a sacred trilogy with, um, with A and K2. You know, the immune system is such a, so creating a tolerogenic immune system. So people with allergies. So I see kids all the time with, with allergies, you know, mucus, like adenoids and tonsils are so swollen that they, you, you barely see down their throat. Mm. Um, and so you can imagine how hard breathing is for these kids. But this is a craniofacial system that we're growing because our immune system is so, um, so reactive to our environment because we're not giving these core factors. And you're exactly right, Emily. Vitamin D is on the base of that, of that nutrient pyramid because we are, as biological creatures, we're designed to take energy from the sun. And mm. that's how we, that's how we you know, really synthesize D. It was when we moved away from the equator, that's when you know, we kind of uh, you know, became, uh, for instance, dairy was a, a big factor there where we would take vitamin D, A and K2 from dairy, so living alongside cattle. Um, but there was always a dietary factor of vitamin D. And even the Maasai tribe that you, you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, in, in Africa, so they drank the blood of the, their, their cows, so they wouldn't kill them. But they would actually use this very fine arrow and shoot them in, in, in the neck and drink the blood raw from their, from their necks. Because you can imagine living in the African desert, <laughs> that uh, it's pretty hard to source. Well, you know, but they would have the strongest cattle. They would be um, you know, and it, they weren't, wouldn't produce much milk, but it would be nutrient dense in AD and activate X. It's, it's so I have like gross, I'm getting flashbacks. I did this like <laughs> survivor style challenge for the show, the challenge. I had to drink Viking blood and I still don't know what kind of blood it was. And it was the most disgusting thing I've ever drank. I was just, I think it was the idea of drinking blood. So I actually just really, I mean, I guess I should have been thinking about all the nutrients I was getting, but I was not. <laughs> <laughs> that was a random throwback for that. Well, for vitamin A, 
And this is why I, I have something against liver. I, because I just, as paleo, Mary, I don't know if you know the creator of Fat Fudge, Paleo Chef, she swears that when she makes me her liver recipe that I won't even know, but I have had it in my freezer for years. It's like this, I need to just throw it away, but I just can't bring myself to like liver. So for me, it took me forever to find like a vitamin A liver supplement because that was the only way I was like, finally, I'm just not going to try to choke this liver down. I'm just going to take the supplement. And I just can't believe how good I feel. Like my skin, my, my inflammation went away, everything. And it's just so crazy. So I would love for you to talk about vitamin A, why it's so crucial and how it's connected with vitamin D, all of it. I, was, I really am fascinated by it. Yeah, sure. Vitamin A is one of those nutrients that we don't find out much enough because most of the information out there we're told that you, know, you got to watch out because of toxicity. And so and it's one of those really confusing subjects. And so um, and it's, it, the thing is, there's two forms of vitamin A. So the proformed and the preformed. The proformed is the type that's in the colorful, in your colorful vegetables. The preformed vitamin A, that's the one that Price is talking about. So that's the active form, that, and you find that in animal products. So your grass-raised dairy, liver, um, you know, uh, whole fish, um, but mainly organ meat. So, and that's, it's kind of what, um, why, you know, why, for instance, uh, they're recommending liver is because your liver stores these three fats, all your fat-soluble nutrients, and that's where it sends out via your blood cholesterol. So you, all of these fat-soluble nutrients are sent around your body via your, um, your, your HDL and LDL particles in your blood. Mm. And so that's your, like your little postage system. And we learn this in the book as well, is that you know, because we're water-soluble creatures, we need to send fat-soluble um, stuff basically to our cells. And so we are, if, we're, if you're not thinking about how you're getting AD and K2, I can guarantee you're deficient in them because it's not easy to get. Like you say, if you're not taking a liver supplement or you're not eating a slice of uh, grass-raised grass liver from, a, um, uh, from lamb or beef, yeah, you've just had a, just had a twitch then. <laughs> <laughs> do you like organ meat? Do you do organ meat? You know what? I, this is something, after I read Price's book, I was like, I'm going to have to do this. I have to do this. And I, I like it. I, you know, I cook it. I cook it like a steak. I, um, you know, with coconut oil, lots of butter and turmeric. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like to put cream in there. Um, you know, what? It, it's got to be cooked exactly right or it gets too, too tough or too, it does have a little bit of a tang, but I've, I've seriously find. That, a tang. A tang. Uh, yeah. Tang. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so for, and for, uh, the coolest thing about this, I think, is the preform. You know, everyone thinks the carrot. It's like we we yeah. vegetables food first always. So if you're looking from a vegetarian standpoint, this is where things go wrong because so many people can't take that preform that it's just not bioavailable. Your body can't convert it. Genetically, there's a lot of us that don't have that ability to take the vitamin A that we're eating and turn it into what we're actually wanting. Is that correct? Exactly. And so for the most part, and again, this is what price shows is that humans, our digestive system, you know, we've got a small intestine that's evolved. To, it's much bigger than say, for instance, um, apes that are vegetarian and have a big, large intestine. So that's for fermenting vegetables. Small intestine is to, is to absorb uh, nutrient dense cooked foods. Um, and so that's where, you know, cooked meat really, and that's what drove our evolution, our brains. Um, and so this is where we're kind of, um, you know, looking at how our digestive system is designed, taking these nutrient-dense foods. And this is these, all, these organ meats, uh, fat-soluble vitamins, that's where it's all absorbed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so the preform, uh, so the protoformed um, version of vitamin A is only converted to a certain extent. And so studies show, for instance, if you, you have to eat it with fat, if you eat a carrot or a salad with a, um, a low-fat dressing, you don't get anything. You definitely will not get anything. Um, but there's certain people that do convert better. So they'll, they'll get more preformed um, vitamin A from their, their colorful vegetables. But for the most part, this is what Price is talking about, that humans eat, need to eat the preformed form themselves. That's why these treasures, this you know, slice of liver a week, cod liver oil, or you know, some form of vitamin A preformed. And like you say, it's miraculous. I have the same thing because I was never taught this either, is that when I started taking... Um, you know, started really thinking about these nutrients, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden my sleep got better. 
I never, I didn't get sick anymore. You know, I was, I, I completely reversed my sugar cravings. I wasn't eating a lot of sugar, but I was doing the whole low fat yogurt with uh, yogurt and uh, honey and berries and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I was doing that, and I, like I didn't realize that I was addicted to sugar. But getting the fat soluble nutrients in, eating some liver, actually liver meatballs is a great one. So you can mix it in with mint. I, I think does the paleo chef do that one? I don't know. I don't know about liver meatballs, but it's do you can mix it with maybe like grass fed beef, so it's not as bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, so it's not I as bad. This. <laughs> Sorry, I try so hard. <laughs> I think it was because this is really like tangent. But when I was little, my dad thought it would be funny to give me this dog treat that had liver in it and tell me that it was like bacon. It was one of those. And I just, it just traumatized me. It was just from wow. that. I it was, my dad is a nice person, but he thinks he still thinks it's hilarious that he gave me this, but I think that's where it started. This like <laughs> instant repellent to anything liver, but I could maybe do some meatballs. Yeah. So like the, you're mixing like a, a slice or two with, with meatballs and then in a bolognese sauce or a creamy kind of um, Alfredo sauce. You don't, I, I really don't think you get, you know, you can make the texture so you, you don't get it at all. So you can chop it really finely. Um, you know, if you do that two or three times a week, you're going to get a couple of slices. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing I try and tell patients to do because everyone has the same reaction, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, but you think about it, every culture had their way of eating organ meats. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's, you know, lamb offal in Italy or kind of the, you know, the brain fry they do, you know, in you know, anywhere in the Middle East and, um, you know, most I, I've, I've got half Chinese background and, you know, Chinese eat everything and, um, you know, it's, it's you know, like soups, for instance, you know, boiled with kind of organs and, you know, it was the reason why that was is because this is the most nutrient dense part of the animal. And it, Price actually wrote about how in Africa during times of, um, when the rains were really heavy and, and all the, the grass savanna was really lush and lot, there were lots of animals, lions would hunt zebra and the um and the uh their prey and they would actually kill them they would they would just sneak through the um the abdomen uh and actually just eat the liver and so they would leave the rest of the, the animal for the for the hyenas and uh -huh. so that's kind of just a testament as to how nutrient dense the, and if you look at the nutrient kind of profile of liver sitting next to because we kind of think of blue, you know blueberries and kale and these kind of foods as you know, it, it dwarfs and you're getting stuff that doesn't come from any other food source. Yeah. So, and this stuff does everything. So the vitamin D stuff goes to your genes. Vitamin A is the same. So your immune system, vitamin A is a crucial um, uh, growth factor for, for the face. Um, so that's why, so for instance, it's linked to clefts in kids. Um, mm. And so, but the other thing, the big one that I think, I think that's linked to that we haven't made this connection yet is uh, tongue ties. And so kids that are born with a little flap of skin beneath their uh, tongue. And actually everyone who's listening to this, I would check, just swipe under your tongue now. And if you have, if there's a flap of skin there, you uh -huh. have for the tongue tie, yeah. So that and means so, I'm like predisposed to lack of vitamin A? So what, what usually, I had the same thing. So I hadn't had mine released this year. And so what that, that should actually apoptose or be eaten up um, in about the 12th week of gestation. Um, and so I think it's a lack of vitamin. I think it's, re it's related to B12 as well because of the, the midline deficiency. So you, at spina bifida, we get a lack of B12 and you get the, the uh, spinal cord doesn't close up basically. So you have that kind of lump on the, on your, the base of your spine. Yeah. And cleft palate is similar, right? Because it's that, that midline uh, deficiency where you can either have the cleft uh, on, on, on the top of the palate or the lip or the, the whole front of the face there. And all it is is the body's not, it's not closing up. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of, I, I think it's a nutrient deficiency and it's kind of getting to where it can get. And it's like, I got to go on because, you know, there's so much stuff going through development. Um, but then tongue tie, so that, that flap of skin, so your tongue actually comes from two, two parts, embryological tissues. And so the, the front part is connected to, to kind of the, the, the front part of the, the, the mandible. And so what it does is it, once it fuses and, and connects, that bit should be eaten away. And so that's really common. Every kid should be checked for tongue ties. Check yourself for tongue ties. You can have them released. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, but what it, what it does is stop you from using your tongue properly. And that actually can predispose you to crooked teeth with breathing issues. So 
uh, mouth breathing and um, sleep apnea. So it's, if you don't use, everyone reacts differently to it, but if you do have a tongue tie, I would get it checked out. And so for somebody that has a, a tongue tie, are they, is it more important for them to make sure they have ADNK or just because they're predisposed to it in the womb? Or is it something that um, maybe it's even something that their mom, sh- like the, the parents should be looking for? Yeah, and this is exactly, and Price t- talked about, so the baby is taking the, these fat-soluble nutrients from the mother's store, right? And so we know from the studies, a vitamin D deficient mother will pass you know, as much vitamin D as she can to a kid, but the, that baby will be vitamin D deficient. And that goes even right through to the breast milk. So the amount of vitamin D in the breast milk, from, and it, we're talking you know, nearly no one now is at 60 to 80 just by, just by chance, unless you're a lifeguard. Mm. we don't eat that way and so we're passing this to our kids so our kids are in nutrient absolute deficiency of these three crucial nutrients that price was talking about ad and k2 and it's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest problems on the planet but the other thing as we talked about that because they're fat soluble and they're stored in the liver and this in, in our blood cholesterol system we've destabilized this system and it takes a long time to build up again so anyone planning to have kids or if you want to have kids at any point um, I would get to know this, you know, your vitamin D levels. I would start eating liver a couple of times a week. Um, this is everything we talk about in the book as a 40 day program, but I'm so yeah. excited for it. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> but you know, the getting back to exactly what you went through as well and understanding the, how important these nutrients are really what was price was trying to tell us. Mm. And so, you know, the, the science is, is, has laid it all out for us. Now we're, we're lucky that we have that. I love it. And it was, I wanted to address dairy really fast because just for some, you know, I'm not, I'm really dairy intolerant, just I think based on, you know, multiple things, but I do think when people can have dairy, it's something that can be really great. But in America, it's just like horrible. Like the dairy that's available is just total shit. So for you, when you recommend dairy, what do you have people look for? What is important to know is going on behind the scenes? Um, I would love to know your take on that. Yeah, so dairy is one of those gray foods, exactly. So a lot of people have problems with it now. And the main thing is, is that we've lost what, what dairy was. Mm-hmm. So that dairy we were talking about, the African, you know, their, their cattle and the, the dairy in the price wrote about the Lostershire Valley, you know, how they, what, they would lead the cows up to this spring, this really fast growing grass on, on the Swiss um, Alps. And so he, they, they would make sure the cows ate that grass. Mm-hmm. And that grass was green. He, he said it was green like a, this is kind of, I think one of the, he, he saw them doing this. And he was like, this is what it is. And it, <laughs> it, 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 it's, he didn't find it out in the end. But so what happened was that he, he was looking at this green grass. And so that green grass is vitamin K1. So we know that K1 is, uh, you know, exists in um, plants and, and green vegetables. The, the cows were eating that grass rich in K1. They were converting it to K2. That's and so, so incredible, which is what that, we need. We need the K2, not the K1. What, exactly. And so K, K and K, K1 and K2 is very similar to preformed and proformed vitamin A. Got so it. it's the preformed vitamin A that goes, uh, sorry, proformed to preformed in animals. So animals convert it from, from that form in, in the grass to uh, preformed in, in their milk and products um, or, or in their body as well, in their mm. liver. Um, and then K, K1 and K2 is the same. And this is the whole mystery of Activator X is that we never knew. Price never figured it out. He must have been so frustrated. Yeah. Like with, he, was, he found it in every single society, but he couldn't find out. So he died and it was still written as Activator X. But so mm-hmm. what he found in that butter, that, that butter from the, the Swiss Alps, he found you know, 10 to 20 times as much Activator X and it was vitamin K2. And so we've, I was never taught about vitamin K2. It's still not in dietary recommendations in any meaningful way. It's um, what, what it does in the body still isn't taught in medical school. You know, we basically say vitamin K is the blood um, affects the blood coagulation cycle. And, you know, you, people aren't often deficient in K1. So that, that's about all they talk about, but mm-hmm. it's a fat soluble nutrient. And K2 is the, the final piece of the puzzle. You have AD and K2 and it, it works in beautiful synergy. And this is what prices stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, book was talking about except he could never identify I, I, I feel so bad for him because I just because he <laughs> talked I loved it when he mentioned about um, like the egg yolks or the butter it was really revered as gold like they I mean it was that bright gold color for a reason or that, that green grass like 
cows are drawn to it for a reason. It's just like nature knows how to appeal to us. It's so freaking cool. So K2, um, I think, you know, not quite as talked about as vitamin D3, but this, it, I think it's coming out more and more that it's something so important. What yeah. is it actually doing in our body? What, what is it about K2 that is such a necessity for us? Yeah. K2 is such a misunderstood, um, beast and you know it, it really is wow it, it is so important and so we've talked about how vitamin d so vitamin d absor- absorbs calcium right and um so that's without if you're vitamin d deficient you're only taking about 10 to 15 percent of the calcium from your uh, diet so your body will then absorb calcium and then so what vitamin a does is it actually activates the uh the osteoclast the bone forming cell mm-hmm. so it gets that turn uh, bone turnover happening. Mm. Vitamin K2 activates the proteins. So there's two proteins in your body, osteocalcin and matrix GLA protein mm. that go and, and what they do is they pick up calcium. So they have calcium receptors. If you're vitamin K2 deficient, your, uh, recept- your um, proteins will not pick up calcium. So osteocalcin is required to carry the, the calcium into your bones and teeth. So the hydroxyapatite, you can't form bone or, t- or healthy t- tooth structure without K2. And, and all so, these people are taking calcium, but they are deficient in vitamin A and K2. Exactly. And so the study in 2011 showed that osteoporotic women who, who take D and calcium, their bones don't, they don't get uh, increased in bone density, but they have more heart attacks. And so that's, that's going into their, so what we're finding then is one of the best scores of, um, of cardiovascular health is the coronary calcium score because blood cholesterol is out. That, all, that was all wrong. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the coronary calcium score is how basically calcified your, your, your plaques and the walls of your arteries are. And so they find actual bone spindles in people's, um, uh, in people's arteries. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, because, and it's because that matrix GLA protein, this is what it does. It goes around and mops up calcium. So... And this is why it was so sacred is because if you don't have this stuff, you have heart attacks. Yeah. And, but you know, it never existed because they always ate the foods so crucial. And K2 comes in, these, in a very specific set of foods, just like A, A and D. Mm-hmm. If you're not thinking about it, I, I can guarantee you're not getting enough, you know, unless you eat a heap of cheese. Or, um, you know, but there's actually even different types of K2. There's the MK4, the menaquinone 4. And, and MK7. Okay. Yeah. Is yeah, there a preference? Because so the, I know for sure, NATO. I always say it wrong. NATO, the the tofu, <laughs> the soy, which I never have. Um, but outside of that, outside of dairy and NATO, is that it? Really for K two? Uh, no, no, no. So K two. Yeah. So there's two forms. So MK four, which is the animal derived MK menaquinone four, and so that's the one that you find in. Um, your, your butter, your liver, your, your, your egg yolks. So that's the animal form K2. MK7 is the, is the, um, the bacterially form. Yep. Yep. So exactly. So it's a fermentation. It's formed by fermentation, probably formed in, in our gut. That's why natto is so rich in it. And so MK7 is very, very similar, but it's basically a seven chain, um, carbon on it's, they've got kind of nap quinone ring. Uh, okay. The MK4 is the four chain, the MK7 is the, and there's like 15 of these things. We've only kind of really started talking about two of them. So two, that's just okay. kind of, um, so you prefer MK4 if possible. Is that the preferred source? What, or? what it seems, so Price was talking about MK4, right? So we, we call, we really need to kind of separate vitamin K2. They, they need to be different because um, the nutrients are, uh, they're completely the way they perform in the body are completely different. Hmm. Uh, so MK4, so in, your, in our blood cholesterols, the MK4 actually sits around the outside of the, of the um, and it gets cleaved off first. So your body's hungry for MK4, goes to all your organs. K2 has been shown, you know, great for your kidneys, great for hmm. your, uh, it, even your sex hormones. Anyone with um, uh, polycystic uh, ovary problems hmm. or testosterone issues, that we've got a chronic problem with males with low testosterone, K2 actively releases testosterone from the testes. We've shown oh this in gosh. animal studies. It's so crucial. And, and the, the, the thing with jaw growth, right, if you, the, the, the growth hormone, hormone and insulin-like growth uh, yeah. pathway. And so that's vitamin D and K2 dependent as well. And wow. so this is, is, it's just so fundamental to our physiology. Um, and that's, it's, it's exactly what Price is talking about. And so MK4 and MK7, Price was talking about MK4. That's what okay. he was in egg yolks and 
Um, and you know, all these kind of butter and liver and these, you know, organ meats and yeah, fatty seafoods and shellfish, all the animal derived, the MK seven comes from bacteria. There's a, um, I think you need to get a mix because like Mm -hmm. from fermented foods, you get a a good dose of MK seven. So the MK seven actually sits on the inside of the the blood cholesterol. So what it does is that once your body cleaves off all all the MK four, so that gets used up fast. Uh, then the the MK7 uh, goes into your bones. And so it'll actually get recycled in your body. And then so K1 and MK7 both get converted to MK4 in your, in your liver. So your oh. body's always making MK4. Um, but you, but, so we, we take the K1, and the, which is just like the, the vitamin A conversion mm-hmm. as well, and MK7, and we convert it to MK4. So it seems like MK4 is the one we need the most. This stuff we, we need to know. You know More. Still, yeah, there's so much more research to come out. But that's generally what we know about the biochemical pathway and the food. What Price is talking about, he was, he was measuring MK4. This is fascinating. This is so cool because I just really feel the difference. Like when I was trying to fix my mouth, I was like, it's nutrition. I thought it was food triggers. I took out all the food triggers that could poss- it could possibly be. And it was seriously the nutritional deficiencies I think I had. And I eat so well, but I consciously don't eat liver. So I knew that it had to be something connected with this kind of thing. So, okay. So you're in Istanbul and you find this book and then all of a sudden you're like, I have to get back into dentistry. Is that kind of the story that happened with you? Yes. I mean, like I put, I put it down. I, I, you know, I thought it was a bunch of baloney, but then, then I went back and exa- it spoke, to, it's, it speaks to you in this deep way. You know, I kind of think, you know, Price was maybe beyond the grave kind of, you know, in, in spirit and you know, what he was um, talking about really was, uh, you know, like he was trying to get this across to the entire human population. So, you know, it, it really was something that, that, he felt was so important for us as a species and he, he never really got the message quite across. So once I started, uh, you know, seeing that, well, hang on, he's onto something here, you know, and like I was never taught about the craniofacial system as a, you know, as a whole kind of, you know, looking at someone's face and seeing the development. And so yeah. you, we would just look at teeth and we would, we would, you know, class their, the types of malocclusion, whether it's um, one, two or three, put braces on and, and make the teeth straight and that would be it. But yeah. he was talking about, he says, look at these beautiful faces. And K2, he was showing that, you know, the people that ate, um, kids ate foods rich in K2, their jaws would grow and their faces would develop. Mm-hmm. And we now know that the upper teeth, and so this was never taught to me either, are sit, sitting in the maxilla bone, right? That houses the nasal airways. And so if you have crooked upper teeth and a high palate, by definition, you have a low volume nasal airway. And so this is where all the breathing issues and all the problems that go across. And if you correct a child's breathing, so we have a preventive orthodontic model now where, where if we get kids to breathe through their nose, tongue to the palate, lips closed, their, their jaw grows naturally. It's, oh, that's, no way. Can it, is it too late for adults to do this? Absolutely not. It's okay. so important that adults do this because with people that breathe wrong, so in your sciences, you have... Um, what's released is nitric oxide. And so when you, mix, when you nasal breathe and, and exercise, Emily, this is so important. And this is something I've been... I'm, do, I'm starting right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's important, right? <laughs> like, well, one thing that Price, you know, Price talked about, about AD and K2, but I, I kind of go one level deeper. And the most important nutrient is oxygen. And your jaw and craniofacial system is designed to deliver oxygen Nitric oxide mixes in your paranasal sinuses, goes to your lungs. Without nitric oxide, you've got a whole cascade of um, nitric oxide equilibrium in your body, right down to your mitochondria, your energy. Yeah, your and brain. your brain function. The mm. yeah, I even take like an ATP NAS shot because uh, it's like a really incredible pre-workout for me, and I because I have bad circulation. So this is going to be so great. Oh yeah, I, actually the circulation. Yeah, so when you um. So exactly. So when we're not breathing through our nose all the time, we don't get that, that natural balance. Exactly. And you can take food and supplements, but breathing is the real way. But then yeah. so that circulation thing. So what happens is when we don't breathe right, when we go to sleep, um, your, your brain is kind of, there's an autom- autonomic um, kind of balance happening in, in your brain. And so what should happen is you should have this nice, slow, deep breathing through your nose. When we don't have, have airways, when, when we don't have um, the craniofacial structure that supports airways, we have increased pressure and that sends a sympathetic kick to the brain 
Mm-hmm. And so what happens is it wakes you up like a choking response. And so it's, it's a, a syndrome called upper airway resistance syndrome, which nearly everyone has. If you had wisdom teeth out, you had crooked teeth. Mm-hmm. Nearly everyone has this because our jaws haven't grown. And so what happens yeah. is it, it, it kicks you. It doesn't let you go into deep sleep. So you can't get that deep rest. Your digestive system is off. You have, you're kind of anxious and often depressed. Um, you have cold hands and feet. So poor circulation. Cold hands and feet. That's exact. Uh, Renault's, uh, that's uh, me. This is, it's so cold. I see it in every patient. You know, when I began to, to, you know, there's this whole model of craniofacial medicine, functional dentistry out there now. We see these breathing problems because of the poor jaw growth that we have in our, in our. Can I tell you something crazy? I just want to go on this tangent because, so I, I, my first concussion, I, I hate that I always talk, but, but I was four when I had my first head trauma. And so when I went to, there was a point where a chiropractor adjusted my jaw and I felt like I, it like opened up in this way. I felt like I could think again. Like it was crazy. That was the first time I connected that some impact on my head at some point in my development would actually cause this kind of like tension. And, and I just never even, so I know exactly what you're talking about. That's crazy. Exactly. You're, it's so great that you had that experience because the, um, the, those, those formative uh, growth stages. So for instance, we wait until we, we put uh, for the adult dentition to come, to come through them and put braces on, but yeah. all the craniofacial growth happens, you know, even in the womb and right from birth. And so checking that tongue tie, get watching kids, how they breathe and, and they, their head shape, even in a newborn is so crucial because it affects all, all of that, those growth factors going on. And I've even seen, so there's, we use um, brain surgery software in, with a dentist in New York to, to look at how, so if you just expand the palate, so you can do this in adulthood now. So palatal expansion, we were always taught that the palate fuses when you get to adulthood. Mm-hmm. That's not true. As so, epigenetically, as soon as you start um, sending messages there, your palate will expand. So we can do this in, in adults as well. This is awesome. Uh, and so people with deep sleeping issues, all mm-hmm. those problems we talked about, what we find is that their, their face system, just by expanding the palate, begins to, to level out. So that the other side of the maxilla will, will remodel, the mandible will remodel, the eyes will level out because the eyes sit, the, the orbits of, you know, the maxilla is the base yeah. of the, um, but the amazing thing is the sphenoid bone remodels as well which is the base of the brain, which is oh like, the, it's above, it's, it's so fundamental. And we will re, we will kind of, uh, you know, adjust ourselves again once we send those growth signals back. And then all of a sudden, all of these symptoms disappear because they can breathe and sleep well again. Yeah. And the palate, you, you give yourself, uh, you know, much, you know, there's, there's by definition volume in your nasal sciences. And so you can get checked mm. at the ENT to see how your, um, uh, if you've got a deviation or if you've got a, a lot of people have distorted sinus. I've got my, my, le- my right sinus is quite clogged. Um, and so I probably need that, but I, I've, I've been doing palatal expansion. And, How do you, and is it just putting your thumb on the top of your mouth? Well, no, it's, it's so you wear a, a night expander. It's like a, oh, and got it's like, it. a, it's like a, you can put your thumb on the, <laughs> all night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, the, but actually the, the, um, the tongue to the palate, that's the, that's the everyday message. So getting your tongue to the palate when exercising as well. That's okay, so like that, just touch your tongue to the top of the roof of your mouth. Yeah, so like tip of the tongue just behind the, so the, they call the spot just behind the, um, mm-hmm. the, the front incisor of the teeth. And then, but the whole tongue should sit up there. So it's kind of like your, the base and the sides as well. It all should sit up and, and be pushing that, your kind of, you should feel oh. like your, yeah, exactly, right? And then, and breathe through your nose. And breathe through your nose. And then, so what's happening is your tongue is connected to the base of your skull, to your hard bone, the mandible. It's one of the most, you know, it takes up 45% of the homunculus. Mm-hmm. So like all of those messages you're sending to your brain, your, your craniofacial system is, is sitting upright, your, your airways are open, and you're breathing through your nose. It's profound. Once I'm, you breathe, I'm doing it right now. So you should, do, should you breathe like that as much as you can? All the time, yes. And, um. it's, and it's so it's a deep diaphragmatic breath through the nose. And so one thing you can do is you can try um, taping the, the lips at night mm. or if you game exercise with taped lips, um, that's, you know, that's something that I'd be, so what we do is we train yourself to have, um, to, to have closed lips through exercise. It's hard, mm. um, but what you do is, so you should be breathing slower because um, what, what, everyone kind of breathes quickly through their mouth. Yep. And so 
that actually does is it take it doesn't give your body time to extract oxygen from your hemoglobin. So you have to let the carbon dioxide build up. Then you get that on because you know the um, uh, the chemical equation where you have the increase in partial pressure of carbon dioxide. Uh, the the affinity to oxygen doesn't happen until you get that increase in um, carbon dioxide. So it's crucial. Slow breath in, a slow uh, a slower out um, parasympathetic sorry parasympathetic breath out. That's what that's you you're helping your body um, kind of adjust to carbon dioxide levels. Carbon dioxide is fine. It, it all performs in, um, in that cycle. Then your hemoglobin releases oxygen. So that slow breath, you'll get so much more oxygen if you reprogram all that. I'm sure I'm doing it right now. I'm, I'm like going <laughs> mute because I'm just practicing. <laughs> I love this. This is so cool. Because my dad actually, growing up, my dad was a sleep studier. So he would watch people sleep. Oh, wow. And I grew up watching this. So I was always fascinated by sleep, by people that had um, any sort of disruption. Their their brains will go for five minutes sometimes without oxygen. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's it's so scary. And then they and then they wonder why they're so fatigued. It's like knowing what actually happens when you're asleep is it's life changing. So this I, is really cool to me. Absolutely, it's so crazy. And so just quickly on the blood brain barrier when you're sleeping. So when we, we go to sleep and we go into those deep levels and that only happens when your autonomic nervous system and your breathing allows you to. So if your airway is sending pressure signals and choking signals, you never get there. But what happens is the blood brain barrier actually relaxes. So through the day, we keep it nice and tight so you don't get those um, any toxins going there. But your, your brain will build up toxins through the day. And when you sleep, it's like a dishwasher. And so it all relaxes when it gets to that deep REM sleep. The cerebrospinal fluid comes in, flushes everything out, and then your brain feels amazing in the morning. Now, if you're choking all night, and even people, so people with upper airway resistance syndrome, there's an article on my website actually. If anyone has these symptoms, perfect, yeah. And so one of the, the one of the uh, most telltale signs is teeth grinding. So it's actually when you grind your front teeth, you, that's your brain pushing your lower jaw forward, and so that's actually just opening the airway. And and there are different types of grinding, but anyone that grinds their teeth is, are actually have showing signs of upper airway resistance syndrome and this very non-restful kind of uh, sympathetic style sleep, and they'll often have the digestive system uh, problems as well. Cold hands and feet. <laughs> oh my god, I love this! And then and ultimately, first step, obviously, I I'm gonna plug all your website stuff and your dental, the dental diet book. Um, but really would your first step to the client be changing the way you breathe? It's so simple. Yep. So breathing is the first step. Exactly. In kids, if you correct their breathing, their their jaws will start growing straight if you get in early enough. Um, but you're going to help them breathe and have that deep sleep and their brain develop childhood ADHD is even connected to this stuff. So you breathe right, you get the nutrients right, you you posture right, and and you know we can do some correction at the end of it, um, but th- it's so fundamental to your to your human structure. This is exactly what Price was talking about. You know, get you, if your face doesn't grow, you can't breathe. You need to get those three fat soluble nutrients and you know the types of food that deliver them to your body. And so we learn that through we, in the dental diet, we kind of go through the craniofacial structure and this breathing. We go through the fat soluble nutrients and understanding, you know, even the immune system inside your teeth, how they fuel that, uh, the microbiome, the oral and gut microbiome, and how the your bacteria speak to the rest of your body, and epigenetics, and how it's all an epigenetic problem. And yeah. so, craniofacial growth and crooked crooked teeth are the end result of a craniofacial system that doesn't grow. Yeah. And so, epigenetic re- response to our environment, all the stuff we've talked about, is your body listening and screaming out for this stuff. And then just having to adjust. It's like, well, this is what I've got. You know, I'm going to have to, you know, I've got to. I got to adapt. It's so smart. It will adapt, but it's not optimal. This is so cool. This is the fastest hour podcast I've ever had in my life. Dr. Steven, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Um, And I hope I, you know, I'm not sure when this, your book comes out in January. Do you have a set date? Yeah. So January 9, it releases. So it's cool. available for pre-order now. Yeah. But so January Perfect. 9, the release. <laughs> I really can't wait to get this. I want to get this for everybody. I think if somebody has teeth issues, breathing issues, I mean, even I, I think everyone, especially with the calcium thing, send this to your mom, to your sisters. I just know too many people taking calcium pills thinking that that's 
good for them. And it's just, this is so cool to have this all in one place. I really appreciate everything you just shared. So thank you for coming on today, Dr. Stephen. And your website is all, I, I have it all up at drstephenlin.com. Um, but what, tell me about your Facebook, your Instagram, all of that. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook at Dr. Stephen Lin, so S-T-E-V-E-N-L-I-N, um, and the D-R at the front. Um, so, yeah, so we share a lot of this functional oral health kind of information. We talk about food, talk about, um, you know, other how, how the oral systemic connection, it all fits in like we're actually one biological uh, performing <laughs> all together. Yeah. I love it. And it's so cool. It's like, I never would have connected. You can avoid braces with nutrition and with this type of structural work. This is so cool. We are in an orthodontic epidemic. Yeah. So this stuff, we need to get this out to parents. We need yeah. to get it into the healthcare system. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on. I can't wait to share this. This is going to be great. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course.